0: Morning first church. Let's go ahead and stand and start small.
1: Grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy good
2: Shout Yeah
1: of your infinite To the one who has rescued my soul To the one who has welcomed me home To the one who is Savior of all I sing Soul to the One who is welcome me home, to the One who is Savior of all. I sing for. Oh.
2: No
0: Jesus, we love you and we praise you. Um, we thank you that, that you are here um, in the midst of all of our struggles, all of our suffering. God, we, we come here to, to praise you and to glorify your name, and to say that you are worthy, Father. We praise, praise you and we pray that you would um, just focus our hearts on you this morning um, and the words that we will hear and uh, pray that you would speak to us, speak to all those that are, that are watching at home that you would just touch our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name. All right, we are going to be back in just a minute. And um, yeah, thank you very much.
3: As we continue in our worship together, I want to give you an item for prayer. Just uh, Brian and Mary Prince, who go to our church, and uh, Mary uh, is six months along and started developing problems, had to have an emergency C section, and um, the, had the baby Thursday, little Noah, uh, under two pounds, doing, can speak, you know, in this type of thing, doing well, the, very excited. The doctors are very excited. And um, so just be praying. For little Noah, as as he develops and grows, this is such a tough time right now, and he's very susceptible to things. So, we'd ask that the pr- the church be praying for this um, together. We're uh, oh man, I even hate to say it. We're going to take another rabbit trail. I uh, I, I know I want to finish up. <laughs> I know right now. I feel like right now in homes all over the peninsula area, people are going. Oh, Bob, um, we're 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 about to finish up the book of Noah. And, and as I was praying through this and thinking about it and studying, we're coming to this kind of climax that is, is so powerful and, and it, it it's so, so impactful. And I felt like, I don't know if I'm totally got it figured out. I don't know if I ever will. But then I started thinking about, uh, talking to people and just discussing with people even this week, how, things are changing for us. I mean this whole whole situation with COVID-19 and everything else, things are changing radically and we really don't know. You know, I keep telling people once we get back to normal, we don't really know if we'll ever get back to normal as we think of normal. It the, the world may be changed now. And I I so what I thought about is I started thinking about the fact that we have an unchanging God in a changing world. And this is very key for us because change can be difficult. Change can bring disappointment in our lives. I think about for, for, for so many students and, and people involved in all sorts of different things that now things canceled and changing. And, and there's just so much disappointment. There's so much discouragement. What do we hang on to? Because the rate of change in our world is accelerating. It's not slowing down. I mean, if you look at a map, you just see all the geographical changes. I mean, I, I just remember growing up, there was a place called the Soviet Union. And it's no more. And countries come and go, and technology changes. And, and uh, oh man, I'm dating myself now. Most people under 30 don't even know what a card catalog is, or what I'm talking about when I say that. They say that most four-year-olds in the U.S. are fairly proficient at using a computer. At four years old. And of all the countries in the world, you know, think about this. Out of all the, I was, I looked this up. Which one do you think is ranked number one in broadband internet um, penetration? That is the maximum amount of people in that country have broadband inter- internet. You know, you think about all the countries in the world. And the number one country is Bermuda. Who'd have thought, I mean, I know they got great shorts, but I don't know anything else about Bermuda and what's going on there. But somehow they are, we're like 29th in this. you know, So everything keeps changing. In the time it took infants to become adolescents in our world or to become 20-somethings, we've gotten cell phones and iPads and GPS and TikTok. Right, All of that has happened in a short span of time, and our economy keeps changing. This is kind of discouraging, I think, for, for a lot of people because the most in-demand jobs that will be around in 2025 are not even known yet, they're saying. Some of the most in-demand, best jobs in 2025 don't exist or didn't exist. I should, I quoted it from the didn't exist in 2010. Which means sometimes we're preparing, we're preparing students for jobs that don't even exist yet, and to use technologies that haven't been invented yet. Because people used to look forward to having a job, you know, 50 years, steady income, a retirement, a gold watch, a pension. No more. The U.S. Department of Labor estimates that the average person will have 10 to 14 jobs by the time they're 38. And that's not flipping burgers when you're 16 at McDonald's. They're not including that. 10 to 14 jobs. And so things are changing. Culture's changing. Cultural shifts have happened in the last 10 to 20 years that are are just groundbreaking. They're huge. The universe keeps changing. When I grew up, there was a planet called Pluto, right? And then they kicked Pluto out. Well, like, you're not a planet anymore. And I just, ah, I love Pluto. Right? And then last year they said, we changed our minds. Pluto's back in. And I don't know how that happened. I don't know who does that. Like, did we have a vote? Was that something we voted on in the last few elections? And I just didn't get to the end of the voting list and didn't see should we let Pluto in, but we do. And things just keep changing. The music people listen to, the clothes people wear. I mean, I thought about this. I like baseball. People used to wear jackets and ties to baseball games. Can you imagine that? That's, it just it seems so crazy. Now, at baseball games, there aren't people, there's just pictures of people. That's, that's what we have nowadays. And so things are changing like crazy. Our bodies are changing, right? I know this, I know this so well. The, 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 your hair changes color. The, num- the number of hairs on your head diminish for some of us. You, you get more wrinkles. The neurons to your brain start making mistakes. And you, and, and you forget things easier or you can't remember certain things as well. And people are trying. People are making billions of dollars to try to help you reverse this process. So they tell you, you can, you can Botox it, right? You can liposuction it. You can Rogaine it. You can aerobicize it. You can moisturize it. You can pasteurize it. You can cryogenically freeze it but it doesn't matter, you're still gonna change, it's still coming. You can fight it, you can kick and scream, but you don't get to vote on this one. We change, the world change, and sometimes change is brutal. Sometimes change is incredibly difficult. And so we need to figure out how we can deal with change and not be crushed by it. We need to figure out then what is timeless in our world that we can hold on to in the midst of change, because it's important for you as an individual, for me as an individual, it's important for us as a church to get real clear about a rapidly changing world where lots of things will change, lots of things have to change. Because if a church gets muddy and gets confused about what the anchor is that a church holds on to, it has to figure out what is important, what doesn't change, what's changeless. What can I hold on to that will never change? Otherwise, it just brings confusion. It brings mess. It brings, it brings depression. It brings all kinds of negative things into our lives when we can't figure out what we should be hanging on to, what's most important. And so we need to get clear on that. And I'm, to, this morning, for, for those of you here, those at home, I'm not going to tell you anything you've never heard before. I'm not going to tell you anything that's new. You're probably going, oh, great, I can leave. Except I'm watching you. I'll call you out if you leave. First thing, the character of God. Does not change. The character of God does not change. This is important for us to realize. This is really good news, because if you've ever been, you ever been around a person who's really moody, so and and it's it's just difficult being around them. Because what happens? What they're up, they're down. You know, they, they they things happen quickly. Their mood changes quickly, and it's hard to keep up. You walk on eggshells, wondering what can I say to this person because I'm not sure how they'll take it. I'm not sure what will happen. You know, will they get angry? Will they get this? And, and uh, God doesn't change. I read this in a blog a while back. This woman, uh, her husband accused her of being moody. And so he actually bought her. These used to be popular a long time ago. They're called mood rings. you would slip the mood ring on. And supposedly what happened is when your mood changed, the mood ring changed colors. So, that you could kind of associate certain moods or anger with certain colors. And so, he bought her this mood wing and he pressured her to wear it because he was going to show her how moody she was. And she wrote this in her blog We've discovered that when I'm in a good mood, it turns green. When I'm in a bad mood, it leaves a big red mark on his forehead. (laughs) Then she wrote in the next line, Maybe next time he'll buy me a diamond. (laughs) And I thought, yeah, okay. God doesn't change. God doesn't change. We don't have to worry about that. I've read, you know, some books, if you feel like when you're a pastor, you have to read these books on leadership, you know, and then you feel terrible because you realize what a horrible leader you are. But it's interesting, in all of these books on leadership, one of the common themes I see is that the number one question that employees in an organization ask to the administrative assistant of the CEO, the number one question is, is the boss in a good mood today? That's the number one question they ask, because they want to be prepared for what's going to happen when they walk through those doors into that room. They want to be prepared. And, and they'll say, is he in a good mood? Because it'll shape the presentation they give based on what they think his, his, uh, his mood is. And if you have a moody friend, you know how that can be. If when you were a child, you had a parent that's, that struggled with strong mood swings, even sometimes violent mood swings, you know that pain. It can be brutal. Every human being on earth goes up and down, not God. God does not change. Friends will let you down. Neighbors will move away. Even a boss that might be a great boss for you will retire someday. Our God doesn't change. In a changing world, this is important for us to hold on to. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift comes from God with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. He doesn't change his stance on things. He's the same. He always loves you. Always. Now, as a loving parent, he might even be involved in discipline in your life sometimes, but it comes out of love. I mean, to me, one of the, one of the, um, Most powerful things coming out of the book of Hosea is that God has gotten so angry, but it's not an anger like, you're such a jerk, you're such an idiot, you're such a... It is, you're breaking my heart. It makes me mad that you're breaking my heart. And in the midst of it, God is continually saying to them in the book of Hosea, repent, come back. Let's let's get this, let's make this right. Let's get back together. Don't. Leave me. So it's not that God just doesn't vary in in James. It says there's not even a shadow of it, not a hint. It never happens. God never has a bad day. God never wakes up on the wrong side of the bed. Whenever you pray, you never have to worry, what kind of mood is God in? And it doesn't mean he's distant or he's frozen or he's unmovable. It means his character is rock-solid, consistent, all of the time, and you can take it to the bank. His faithfulness, it never changes. He was faithful to Abraham. He was faithful to Moses. He was faithful to David. He was faithful to Esther. He was faithful to Ruth. He just go through Scripture, you see this God of faithfulness. And he's not going to fail you. He's not going to fail you. His holiness never changes. We see from Hosea, God hates sin as much today as he does did 3,000 years ago. Human standards will fluctuate. Right and wrong will be challenged and will, will supposedly change in societies. Things will go up and down. People might, even think, might not even think we have this today. might even think there is a right and a wrong. It's just a human construct. God never says, well, go ahead. You can yell at your kids today, and that's not a bad thing. Go ahead. You can hoard your possessions today and not give to the poor, and that's okay. It's not such a big deal. God never says that. He's consistent from beginning to end. Why? Because he says in Malachi 3.6, I, the Lord, do not change. I, the Lord, do not change. His holiness never changes. His faithfulness never changes. We live in the information age, and things change all the time. We have at our fingertips something like Google, the ability to access like the total knowledge of the whole world in a matter of seconds. I, remember, I was reading a thing, and, and, and this, this guy was saying, never in the history of mankind have we, not, have we not have to worry about unanswered questions. You know, unanswered questions, they don't happen anymore. Because we have the answers at our fingertips. The Internet changed everything. Last year, one out of every three couples in the United States of America met online. 33% of the couples in the United States of America met online. It's just changing. And so now, as followers of Jesus Christ, we have to figure out, okay, how do we represent this unchanging God to a world that changes constantly? Are we ready to change? Are we ready? I mean, even here at First Church, we we do some things differently than than our maybe our parents or people did, you know, 40, 50 years ago at church, we do some, why? Because we're willing to change, except in one thing. The message stays the same all the time. It's the same message. I was listening the other day, sometimes uh, I like to listen, I go back and listen, I listened to an old Billy Graham sermon from one of his crusades in the 50s. And I remember sitting there thinking, same message, same message. That hasn't changed. That hasn't changed in 70 years. And it won't. It's, that's, it's God's message. That's why. And so we have this idea, this, this thought, this, this truth. God doesn't change. And so he always loves us. He always prizes you. He always cherishes you. He always holds you in his heart. Ephesians 2.10 says you are his Masterpiece. It says, for we are his workmanship. But the word workmanship there is poema. Poema is this idea of a creation by an artist, a masterpiece. You're God's masterpiece. Now, I know, if you're like me, you go, got a lot of work to do, right? I don't feel like a masterpiece. But you know what? That doesn't matter. God says you're his masterpiece. He's thrilled about you. Um, when I was in in seminary, I had a friend who who taught art and and was a a fairly accomplished painter. And we talked one time about this, and we were talking about it, and he was saying, as he started painting, he says, I would get excited because I would see, oh, this is going to be good. And I'm like, really, you can see far enough? He says, yeah, I get excited. I have a vision for what it's going to be. And I just see with each stroke, it's taking place. It's coming together. It's going to be good. That's God with you right now. God is excited about you. And he goes, with each brush stroke, I'm I'm making a masterpiece. This is going to be Good. I mean, you can imagine. I mean, that's where I I imagine all these things. I imagine Jesus is in heaven and he's going, Peter, look, look at Bob. This is going to be really good. And I imagine Peter going, he doesn't look good. He doesn't. look what he's doing right this moment. You know, and that's okay. Watch what I'm going to do with that. It's going to be good. That's my trust. He's going to, you know, maybe in a few years my hair will grow back. I don't know what will happen, but it'll be, it'll be a masterpiece. A masterpiece. And that's what he's doing with you. He prizes you. He cherishes you. He always holds you in his heart. He's always holy. He's infinitely wise. His character never changes. This is something that we all kind of know, but we really have to come to grips with because this is so important in the world we live in. In a world where there's all this turmoil, in a world where financial problems, in a world where there's medical, all this stuff going on in our world, we need something to hold on to that doesn't get destroyed, that doesn't change. God's character, God, never changes. The second thing, Jesus is the hope of the world. We're talking about things that don't change in a changing world. Jesus is the hope of the world, and that never changes. Hebrews 13.8, which is along that same thought line, right? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Look, politicians come, politicians go. Administrations come, administrations go. Leaders rise, leaders fall. Some do better, some do worse. But no politician is the hope of the world. Jesus is the hope of the world. We have to make sure of that. Jesus is Lord, and his lordship is the only hope this world has. And so we can't put our confidence in any particular set of circumstances. It, it might be, I mean, this is a difficult time, but I know for some people, maybe things are going well right now, but you can't put your confidence in that. We saw in the book of Hosea, as the book of Hosea is being written, and God is telling them, you're in deep trouble. They were in the midst of a boom. Prosperity. They were doing well. And and God's telling them, no, you're in deep trouble. And they're like, deep trouble? Man, I just bought a new house. I just got a new chariot. I got all this food to eat. I'm doing great. And God says, you've you're about to reap the whirlwind, and you don't even see it coming. I'm warning you. I'm warning you. He says. And so Jesus is Lord. Doesn't matter what's going on politically or economically or physically. It doesn't matter what your health is. Anything, because human circumstances are always going to change. There may be this the, you know like for some maybe there's this guy and and this I loved and he dumped me, or this girl she dumped me. And I got the job I want, and then the company folds or struggles. I got the money I want, and now my health starts to go. Because circumstances ebb and flow all the time. How can we live in joy and confidence in the midst of those difficult times? And the writer of scriptures proclaimed this Jesus is Lord. And so that's our invitation to become a Jesus person because Jesus is our hope, Jesus is our leader, Jesus is our savior, he's our teacher, he's our guide, he's our forgiver, he's our friend. We have nothing to offer, and we have, but we have him, and he's the hope of the world. So the character of God doesn't change, Jesus is the hope of the world, that never changes, and the third one is the authority of the Bible will never change. Isaiah 40, verse 8 says, the, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. There is something about the thoughts of God. There's something about the truth that God proclaims. It is eternal. Information is not. You know, you can read um, about, uh, I was reading this thing and it's pretty technical, but it was people who estimate um, how fast information is turning over, is doubling. And right now they're saying, at this current rate, the amount of information in the world is doubling every two years. Every two years, there's twice as much information in the world as there was two years ago. And, and, uh, especially a lot of the technical stuff. So if you, this guy who was writing this just kind of put an aside and he said, so, so if you're pursuing a four year degree, especially a technical degree, by your fourth year, your first two years will be obsolete. And you should ask for a refund or something. I don't know how you work that out, but it's because it's, it's flipping, it's doubling all the time. And so we're bombarded with information and we're starving for wisdom. Three thousand books get published every day every day. And you can't keep up. But there's one book that was written by dozens of authors over hundreds of years that has sold more, has been read more, has stimulated more scholarship and study, has influenced more people, and has changed more lives than any book ever written. It's the Bible. I mean, you guys, obviously you knew that was coming, right? But it speaks to our existence. It speaks to the great questions of life. Why am I here? Is there a God? Who is He? What has He done in history? Who is Jesus? What makes a human being good? Where is our earth headed? These questions, the deepest, the hardest questions, are met head-on and addressed in the Word of God. And it speaks with a a clarity and a power and an influence. It has no rival. Now, I know some people misuse the Bible for their own goals. But the fact remains, God has spoken through this word in a way that puts it above all other books. And the scriptures have a way of opening eyes and convicting of sins and producing repentance and promising comfort and offering guidance and changing lives. It's very interesting, you know, I know, I know there are people who have left the faith in, in our world, uh, in, in our culture, in our country. I, I see that happening. And, and what's interesting is in reading about that, I've done, I've done quite a bit of read, reading about that, Very few, most of them will say something like, I've kind of been set free from restrictive rules. But then if you flip it and you see the people who are coming to faith and you read about them, the most common thing is, theme is, I've been changed. Fundamentally. From the inside out, I've been changed. That change can only happen supernaturally. It can only happen supernaturally. And, and I can say, I'm one of those people. I know how I was before I met Christ. And he changed me. He changed me. It, it, he's just a different person. And so the character of our God doesn't change. Jesus is the hope of of the world, and that never changes. The authority of the Bible will never change. The power of prayer does not change. Human communication has changed, right? The first commercial text message was sent in 1992. I read an article a few years ago about a a writer in the New York Magazine, and he happened to notice that his 13-year-old daughter had sent 14,000 text messages in one month. And so he wrote on this, he wrote this article in New Yorker magazine saying, this is amazing. I cannot believe that my 13-year-old daughter had the time to punch out 13,000 text messages. Well, that article took off. Everybody saw who the the writer was. So they figured out who his daughter was. And so the next month she sent 24,000 text messages. And then he took her phone. Because he just said, this is getting crazy. This is getting crazy. Information and the way we communicate is totally changing. For many people, it's all you've known. But it's such an, in, an incredible change that has happened. And prayer stays the same. Prayer stays the same. Prayer is instantaneous. It knows no physical boundaries. It doesn't hurt your thumb. Right? You don't have to have anything. It's just you and God. God. Ephesians 6.18, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. What is he saying there? Constant communication. Big requests, little requests. Important requests, trivial requests. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And I love this idea, and we've talked about this here before, that when we pray, and I think Scripture teaches this, God gets down to us, it's face-to-face communication. No masks. Just face to face communication. And I used to, when, in, in, in learning that, one of the things I used to try to do sometimes with my kids is if there was something I could tell was really important to them, I'd get down on a knee and I'd get right, right to them and say, what is it, buddy? What is it? And it'd be like, you know how sometimes little kids, they get so worked up about something. It's like all of a sudden they have trouble talking. It's like, dad, I, 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 and he'd talk about some little guy that, you know, He tagged him out, and the kid said he didn't tag him out, and he's so upset about this, and his team lost the game, and everybody's mad at him. And I'm like, this is really dumb. But not to my, I'm going, oh, go ahead. Yeah, oh, man, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry that happened. That's not fair. I understand. And God does that with us. Hopefully God isn't, I mean, I could understand if he is, but hopefully he's not in the back of his mind going, boy, Bob is dumb. But he gets down to us. He gets face to face. It's probably not a good illustration anymore, is it, since I said that? He gets down with us. He gets face to face. It's face to face. Why? Because it's important to him. It's so important to him. What you have to say is so important to him. And to me, it's this, it's this whole thing. It's like, you know, the, the, the old illustration, life's like a pond, and you throw a, you throw a pebble in, and you just see the ripples, and they just go everywhere. When we do something for God, when we spend time in prayer with God, it's like putting that pebble in the the ripples go. We don't even can't even understand where all the ripples go. When we go to God in prayer, we don't understand the impact that things will have over a long period of time. And the attempt to change this world through human efforts will never fully work. Sometimes they end up having, in a way, having doing more damage than good. I mean, if you look at the history of utopian uh, communities, they always start with really good intentions and almost always end up as train wrecks. And so prayer is the one thing. It's a constant. It doesn't change. It changes things. And I don't know how that works. I I I don't know how it works. I don't know how I pray something and, and and suddenly God moves and works. But he tells us he will. Because we're made for this. We're made to be connected to somebody greater than ourselves. Praying when we're afraid. Praying when we're grateful. Praying about people we love. And then the stone hits the water and the ripples spread. And we can't even imagine the impact that it could have even years down the road. Even years down the road. Sometimes I share things and I, I don't always want, I've always worried that people will say, Oh, Bob, you're so, but uh, years ago, um, I worked with youth and, and I, I uh, was taking, uh, taekwondo classes and then I started teaching teenagers taekwondo, uh, as just something for them to do and they loved it. You know, you got to, you got to spar with each other. You got to break boards and sometimes even bricks, you know, and it was very cool and very fun to do. And, uh, and so I, I took this class with with like three other people, uh, three other guys, and none of them were Christians, and and they found out, oh, you're a pastor. And then, oh man. I mean, it was mostly good, not always, but mostly good natured. But they would just make fun of me, you know. You know, we'd sit there, we we're gonna break some stuff, and they would go, Oh, don't hit it like a pastor. Hit it like a heathen. Ha <laughs> ha. And they'd all laugh. And it's fine, you know, and and so. 20 years later, this is about 10 years ago, I got a call from a guy and he just says, hey, Bob, he told me he was, do you remember me? I thought, man, that name sounds familiar. He goes, we took karate together. I said, oh, yeah, how you doing? That's great. He goes, yeah, yeah, man, we gave you a hard time. And I said, hey, dude, it's fine. It's not a big deal. I still remember it to this day, so you know it's kind of a big deal, right? (laughs) I was lying. And he goes, Well, you know what, dude? He says, man, the way you reacted and the way you talked to us, he says, never think that those things don't have an impact. He says, I came to Christ about eight years ago. And he says, you're the one that got me looking. And I was like, man, I had no idea. I had no idea. He goes, yeah, you remember Frank? I said, yeah. He came to Christ, too. He says, there's two of us in that karate class. He goes, guess what I'm doing now? And I said, what? He goes, I'm the pastor of a church. And I said, are you lying? <laughs> I thought, man, I, because my, I, oh, I hate this. I hate this. My first thought was, oh, here we go again. <laughs> Make fun of me, right? And I said, are you telling me the truth? And he says, yeah, dude, I'm telling you the truth. And we met a couple days later and hugged. And I thought, the ripples. You never know The ripples. It can be years later and you don't know the ripples when you do things. And so he's saying when we pray, we don't know what the ripples are. We don't know. Uh, a while back, I was talking to one of my brothers on the phone, and he said, uh, Hey, Bob, you know, what can I pray? They always We talk about these. and He says, What can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? And uh, he, and then he said, I always pray for your church, because I figure if somebody that puts up with you probably needs a lot of prayer. And I thought, This, this is great. Yeah, now The non-Christians aren't making fun of me. My brother, my flippin' brothers are. Um, but we can pray, and it creates ripples, and it goes, and we don't know. We ask about one specific thing, but that can unlock a chain of events that we have no clue. And we can pray when we're alone. We can pray when we need wisdom. We can pray when something good happens and be grateful for the goodness that happened. We can pray when something ba- we've done something bad and we need to be forgiven. You can pray when you're filled up and ready to worship. God, I love you. And you can pray when you're mad and you need somebody to talk to. You can pray when you're tempted and you need help. I'm trying to pray. God, what do you want me to do? In this time of COVID-19 for me, I'm saying, God, what do you want me to do? There's more for me. What is it? Is there an adventure that I haven't seen yet that you want from me? Is there somebody you want me to touch? Because I can't control outcomes. I know I can't control outcomes. I've got to trust God to do that. And so I pray, God, I I, I can't do all of this. Just what do you want me to do? Because I want to be throwing rocks in the, I want to be doing that. Throwing rocks in the pond so that the ripples go. I want to be a part of that. Fifth one, the character of God doesn't change. Jesus is the hope of the world. That never changes. The authority of the Bible will never change. The power of prayer does not change. The human condition does not change. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All men, all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. They go so quickly. Everything changes fast. People think they're in control, and they're not in control. We think we have control of things, and we don't have control of things. And the human condition, in all its tragedy and all its glory, the human condition does not change. It's, it's, it's amazing. You know, uh, we just celebrated the, the uh, 75th anniversary of the first dropping of the atomic bomb. And it's amazing, when we first started splitting the atom... The first thing that people started thinking of is this could be a weapon. Because that's the human condition. We make a discovery. How, what can we do with it? How can, and and it's not me making any kind of a statement. Don't, I don't want to get caught up in this whole thing of should we or shouldn't have we have dropped the bomb. None of that stuff. Just that that is the human condition. We come across things and we figure out. We come across, we invent something like the Internet. And who exploited it to the fullest to begin with? Pornographers. That's who made the most use of it. Where, who's investing possibly the most amount of money in virtual reality right now? Pornographers. Because it's like we invented something good. Listen, what can we do with it to destroy people? Because that's the way it works. Every increase in knowledge or power that increases our ability to do good also increases our ability to do damage. And we are living with this illusion in our, in our country that there will be a solution to the human condition that will come out of things like more education or more prosperity or we just need more to- tolerance or more technology or more medicine or whatever it is. And those things may help some, but they won't cure it. They won't take care of it. Because just as we already looked at, the only hope we have is in Jesus Christ. Because the Bible's very clear. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's just a part of the deal. And sin is not fading anytime soon. The last one, the mission of the church does not change. Now, this is where now suddenly it falls on us. It falls on us to be making ripples Because Jesus said this, he said, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. This is the mission we have. Go. Disciple. Teach. Serve. Love. This is our mission. So now let's think about this. How's the mission going on the peninsula? Let's just talk about the peninsula. Have we finished the job? No, obviously not. But I'll tell you where we stand on the job. There is a group called the Association of Religion Data Archives. Now, that sounds like an exciting group to be a part of, in my opinion, who wouldn't want to say, you know, I'm with the ARDA. What's that? Association of Religion Data Archives. But in that, you can go and you can look at any place in America by zip code, and they will tell you how many are evangelical, how many are this, how many are this, how many are this, and how many are unchurched. It's it's, it's an amazing uh, amazing thing. So around 2010, the population, the last time we had an accurate count, was 180,000 for Newport News, Virginia, about the same for Hampton. The people who said they went to evangelical churches was about 28,000. The people who said they didn't go anywhere was almost 120,000 of the 180, didn't go anywhere in Newport News. Weren't involved in any church of any type. And so it tells us this is, this is what's left. This is what we have to do. This is our job. We have to reach these people. The Pew Research Center did a, did a thing on why people leave churches. Why, they, why, why are some leaving? Not why they don't go, but why are they leaving? Number one thing is church members are hypocritical and judgmental. The number two thing is churches focus on rules too much. And the number three reason is church leaders seek power and money. So what are they saying? Like summing that up. Religious people. They're saying religious people, churches and church leaders, don't value people. That's that's the point. Pew Research wraps that up, those three. They value dogma, rules, power, and money, not people. I read this a long time ago. I, I hadn't been at first church very long. And I said, God, that, no, I never want to be in a church like that. I never want to be in a church that makes people feel that way. I never want that. And so what do we do? I mean, I can't reach 113,000, almost 120,000 people but I could reach one and then maybe see what the ripples do when I just reach one. And then maybe I could try to reach another and then watch the ripples go from there. What can you do? You can't reach 120,000 people in Newport News alone and probably about the same amount in Hampton and then York and then just keep going on. You can reach one. You can focus on one. I mean, maybe, maybe God enables you to reach more in a greater degree. Great. But you could, reach, you could reach one, reaching people with the love of God. Now, I want to give you a video illustration of this. And I tell you, this is, I don't want this to manipulate, but to me this is such a cool idea of what we're supposed to communicate. There is a father. Lean back, we sang, lean back in the loving arms of a beautiful father. There is a father who loves you, but there is a father who loves everyone. How do we communicate that? How do we communicate that? All right, so we're going to uh, show you, uh, I like baseball. This is from a number of years ago, the Philadelphia Phillies, a game in, in, at the stadium there in the Philadelphia Phillies, and a father and a mother took, took uh, their little daughter and, and a baby to uh, a Phillies baseball game. The father is a huge Phillies fan, and he would always wanted to catch a baseball. And you'll see in this video that he gets to, all right? Oh, I didn't show. I'm like, oh, did you guys see something? Okay, so what happens? What happens there? I mean, I, I love this. He caught it. High fives. Everybody's excited, right? He hands high fives his daughter. Hands it to his daughter, and she throws it, right? Okay, so here's the thing. In that, mo- I think they fr- they froze on that, right? Look at the- everybody's like, oh. and. What have you done? You know, it, you see the father, I mean, it's like he, he almost wants to say, kid, I waited all my life for a foul ball. I hand it to you and you just threw what I've waited my whole life over the, you know? And so everybody in the stand sees what's going on and we're not doing the sound because it's just, there's so much strength, but, but in it, you can hear the moment she throws it. You just hear this oh, gasp that just is everyone is just like, Oh Oh, <laughs> goodness. Can't believe this happened. And how does he respond? He's say, you idiot! You know? How does he respond? Okay, let's see the the second half. All right. What a beautiful picture of a dad and his child. Even though he's a Phillies fan. I mean, he's got so much going against him to begin with. Right? Born... Born in Philly. I've never met a person I like that's been born in Philly. Oh, wait, Jose. Sorry. Um, um, but here's the thing. This is what's interesting to me. This is what's interesting to me. Okay? That's a cute little thing that happened. Okay? That blew the internet up back then. Uh, number is 2009, I think it was. 2009. It blew. It got, like, within a week, a million hits on YouTube. It just exploded. It was just gigantic. Why? Now, think about that. Why? Why? Because it's a beautiful picture leaning back in the arms of a loving father. The dad said, oh man, I, see, I, I didn't even see it. I didn't even see what you guys saw and I'm going to start crying. Um, she, he, t- he said later in an interview, she looked at him and she said, did I do something wrong? And he said, no, baby. You didn't do anything wrong. I love you. We love pictures of fathers, of mothers, of things when it is done right. That, that is right. That is goodness. That is rightness in and of itself, a father reacting in a situation that is pure love. And we eat that up. Why? Because we're made for it. We are made to lean back in the arms of a loving father. Beautiful father we are made for that and when we see little glimpses of it just glimpses of it like in that video it It just grips us Because it's right. It's how the world is supposed to be we live in a world where there's lots of fathers who don't live up to that and So when we see it done, right it grips us And when human fathers get it, right? It's a beautiful picture Because we have a Heavenly Father. And He would like more than 100,000 people in the Newport News area to lean into His arms and hug them and tell them He loves them. But how is that going to happen? To know their Heavenly Father. This is our job. Now, let's get personal. Don't you love it when I say that? Think of somebody you love who may be far from the Heavenly Father. Because I bet if I was to ask how many people here or how many people at home have a friend, a mom, a dad, a son, a daughter, a co-worker, a brother, a sister who is far from God and you're concerned about them, I bet every arm here would go up. Every hand would go up in homes. Because this is the human condition. There are people that we know, that we love, and we're concerned. And Jesus says... All right. There are people who are in your sphere of influence, not mine, your sphere of influence. And he says, I want you to go. I want you to teach. I want you to live it. I want you to teach it with your actions. I want you to teach it with your words. I want you to teach it with your attitudes. How much the Heavenly Father loves them. How much the Heavenly Father wants to reach them and touch their heart, and change them from the inside out. Not superficial change, supernatural change. Because that's the only change that works and lasts. That's the only change when God does it. I think about this because that's something we can all do individually. And right now, with COVID-19 and all the restrictions and everything that's so difficult, it's very hard for churches to be to do. We can't do big events. We can't have you know pull out the the, the bounce house and have tons of people over. We can't. We weren't able to do the Easter egg roll on at, at the square in Port Warwick, which is one of the greatest ways we we let people in Port Warwick know that we're here and remind them of that. We have that Easter egg roll. And every time people come and say, can my kids do it? Or do you have to be? And we're like, yes, put them out there. Let them go crazy. That's fine. It's, and we just things like that we can't do. And so we're actively working and thinking, what are things we can do? And so this now goes out to you and to everyone at home too. We'd love to hear your ideas. If there's something you're doing We'd love to hear your ideas, little ideas, big ideas, whatever it may be of reaching people, of, of, of showing, sharing the love of the Father. Um, I, I heard about this the other day, and I think my wife and I talked about it. We want to do this. We just want to make some cookies and just go to all our immediate neighbors and give them a dozen cookies to say, look, in this time, when there's so much negativity, there's so much pain, there's so much, here we just, a little bit of joy. And the, my wife's chocolate chip cookies are like joy bringers. They just, you, you can't, can't be angry and eat one. And so that, what, why? So that it just opens doors. It gets conversations started. And it's a way of sharing love. Just a way. There's, there's tons of things, and, and I think this is where combined we can m- maybe come up with things. You go to our website. You can send us an email of an idea or something. And uh, Now, if you're going to propose something that's really gigantic, and then you're going to say, I can't do it, but you guys just go crazy with it. I'm going to be like, you got to be willing to help us on these things. But what are some ideas? Because we're in a time where everything's changing, and we don't know what normal will be. And so we can't just wait for it. We've got to live in this new normal at least for now. Let's pray. Father, with everyone everyone in this room, everyone listening at home, people who tune in later in the week to watch, we face relationships, we face difficulties, we face financial realities, emotional hardships, health difficulties. These are things we can't always control. But we thank you that you're the God who does not change. So we put our hope, we put our trust in you. Lord, help us to work at putting our trust in you alone. And then, Lord, we pray that you would, you would cause us to throw that stone that creates a ripple that we, we won't ever see the end of until we get to, get to be with you. And so, Lord, that our, our lives would become a living testimony, that we wouldn't live in fear, that we wouldn't live in yesterday and that we would live in today and the way things are today and that we would work, we would look for opportunities. And God, as we look, give us the wisdom to see them. Give us the courage to seize them. When you give us opportunities in, in even the smallest little things or even in big things, help us to be willing servants, willing to serve our beautiful Heavenly Father. And Lord, we thank you that you are the rock that we can stand on that will not move, that will not be shaken. And we thank you that we have access to standing on that rock because of what Jesus has done for us, and in his name we pray. Amen. Thanks for coming. Thanks for being with us online. God bless you, and you are dismissed.